Well, blessings to you. We're so glad you could be with us this morning. And for those of you online, we we welcome you to be with us. We're uh, doing our studies uh, this morning out of the end of chapter 6 of the book of Romans. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, you can go to that place to to look at uh, what we'll be doing this morning. Uh, I would like to begin with a moment of prayer and So if you would bow your heads, we'll begin. With the time in prayer, Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, your blessings this morning and the grace that we've been given. Uh, Lord, your word declares that if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And we're thankful that we've been freed from the bondage of sin and death and separation from you to be your children and to rejoice in the glories of uh, your family. We're thankful, Lord God, this morning that we could come and be here this morning and we can worship freely and we never want to take that for granted, dear Lord. We pray uh, that you... Uh, would be pleased to dwell with us this morning, that we may enjoy your presence as your people, and that the blessing of your grace and the expression of truth through your word would be granted, illumined to our hearts by the work of your Holy Spirit that our Lord Jesus sent to do uh, in and through and for us. And we acknowledge our dependence upon you for understanding of truth in your word, for understanding spiritual things, and ask that you would be pleased to bless us and bless our time. Lord, we want to pray for our nation this morning and pray, God, for the things that are taking place in our nation and ask for your mercies. We know, Lord, that Uh, that no nation survives unless it uh, is by your grace and your permission for your sovereign, almighty God. And, uh, Lord, we're in very troubled times. We appeal to your mercy, Lord, and not your justice, uh, for uh, we know and understand what we would deserve as a country and as a nation. Uh, But we ask that you might be pleased to grant to us mercy and that there would be a resolve to the issues uh, that our nation is facing and that there might be no more shed blood that we can resolve and uh, come together as a nation uh, around the truth. And Lord, uh, we uh, hear your word that at any moment you may uh, say to a nation or to a kingdom, Uh, that you may pluck it up or pull it down or destroy it, but if that nation turns from its evil, that you will relent of the calamity which you purpose to bring upon it. And God, we pray that we might turn our hearts to repentance to you. And Lord, I want to pray this morning as well for our brother Paul, 
uh, as he goes for surgery tomorrow. Uh, Lord, we lift him up to you and pray that you would uh, steady his, his heart and his soul, he and Emily, that uh, as um, he goes to the surgery that he uh, knows and is resting in faith in your hands. And we pray that the doctor's hands would be your very hands and skilled uh, for your purposes for healing for, uh, for Paul. <clears throat> and Lord, we ask your blessing now upon our missionaries and upon our time of worship. And we lift these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's see if I can get back to the beginning here. I'm going to open this again or close it and open it again. Okay, there we go. Yeah, if you'll turn to Romans chapter 6 in your Bibles, um, and I'm actually going to read from uh, verses 15 there uh, to the end of the chapter and uh, so we may close Romans chapter 6 this morning. I, I hate to leave it. It's just, <laughs> it has been such a blessing to study, and I hope that it's been a blessing to your lives. Um, but there's, there's so much for us here, and I hope to be able to summarize it and put it together for you uh, well in our studies in Romans. Uh, we picked up with the second of the, of the two um, questions that are the main part of Romans 6. And if you don't mind, I'll, I'll go back to chapter 1 because that's the first question. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? Uh, and that question was asked because grace abounded through uh, Adam 2, through the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the the question became, well, should if we continue in sin, will grace even greater uh, uh, pour out and so we found the answers there the second question in, in Romans chapter 6 is what then in verse 15 and we'll pick up there and read together uh, what then shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace may it never be do you not know that when you present yourselves as someone as slaves for obedience you are slaves to the one to whom you obey either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. Remember that sin always brings death. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, <clears throat> resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. And there's our key uh, term here in chapter 6. It's about sanctification, the Christian's purity and walk. Verse 20 is the, the passage where we'll pick up this morning. I'm going to go back to this verse and take it to the end of the chapter. And verse 20 reads, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. 
Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. <clears throat> but now, <clears throat> having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. And may God grant to us a solid understanding of the doctrine of sanctification in Scripture, uh, which is, is really uh, a, a more complete and full understanding of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and how it affects not only our eternal destiny, but our present condition. Uh, so when we talk about sanctification, it's progressive. It, it moves through our life. We become, according to God's will, we were predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. <clears throat> and that process takes place with this conflict going on between the two masters that are mentioned here. The, the, the mastery of sin over our, our life or the mastery of our Lord Jesus Christ. We serve one or the other. And this battle is the battle of uh, progressive sanctification and being set apart in God's life. For some people, they may be bothered by uh, the fact that we're called slaves. Uh, we don't like that, that term, and, uh, but, but Paul describes it perfectly. And you see in verse 19 that he, he does say that uh, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh and so he's using a concept for us to understand, but we do need to understand our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, his lordship, our service, our, that we are slaves, that we are bond slaves to Jesus Christ. Paul often used this very same term, uh, doulos, in the scripture, um, but it's, it might be good just to, to call to mind some other things that the Lord Jesus said. Uh, and he's speaking to his apostles in John 15, verse 15. He said, No longer do I call you a slave, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Uh, it's good for us to remember the tenderness of the relationship that the Lord Jesus had with his disciples and that he has with you. And I trust and hope and pray uh, that, that I know that in a much deeper way and I pray for you that you know it in a much deeper way. The extent of the love of Jesus Christ for us and the extent of that love means that he calls you and he looks at you as his friend. And uh, so... What it does for me is it, it, it uh, increases that desire, that affection in my heart to love the Lord God uh, with, uh, uh, you know, to, we love him because he first loved us and he expresses this kind of love and extends that friendship despite our failures and despite the sin and, and shortcomings that we have. He loves you unconditionally. And by his grace, he, he longs to, to be with you and fellowship with you. 
So I pray that we know those wonderful things. Uh, and then in Galatians chapter 4, just to make sure that you understand Paul's appreciation for the relationship that we have with our Lord and our Master. Uh, he says, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. That's pretty awesome. And I like to, just in reading Romans chapter 6 and doing some study here, I wanted to go and kind of think about that a little bit uh, because it, it, it surrounds you in the, uh, the arms of God's loving kindness and his mercies to us and his love for us. And uh, perhaps some of you are doubting uh, that love and, and wondering about uh, where God is and, and that kind of thing. But this morning I want to encourage you uh, that he hasn't forsaken you. Uh, and our Lord Jesus Christ has uh, given to us sonship with the Father. We, we speak and worship our Heavenly Father here this morning. And we have this wonderful relationship and if we think about it, this is the God who reigns on his throne in heaven. The earth is his footstool, and we have no worries. No worries despite the things going on. Uh, no, no worries. He's always in charge. Uh, he's all-powerful, and he has extend, his, his power extends from heaven to earth. And we are praying as his ambassadors that we might be um, uh, that we might see his kingdom come and his will be done. So I hope that you're longing for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ and the, the completion of God's plan. Uh, but as we see it unfold and as we experience it unfolding as God's people, God calls us to peace. And I realize that some of our in our church body may be experiencing uh, anxiety at this time because of the things that are taking place in our nation. And I want to encourage you uh, to have faith because the just live by faith. This is the thing we're learning. And in living by faith, it means that our, our growth, we grow in trusting God uh, regardless of circumstances. And we're mindful that God turns all of those circumstances into good, and they can be really, really bad things at times. But God's intention for you is always for good. He's always working all things together for his children's good. And those are things that we can trust and know and believe in times of trouble. I want to uh, go uh, uh, on to say that with the things that are happening in our country, uh, there are, are very strong allegations that uh, that the election was um, that there was uh, fraud and cheating in it, and those things need to be resolved. So uh, I'm going to ask you to to pray that God will expose the truth, because even though the truth may be hard and we may. Uh, go through some very difficult things one way or the other with this issue. It's important. The truth is important, and there can't be any real uh, uh, healing and resolve unless we address the truth and address 
these things and our nation addresses these things uh, that we may have resolve to it. So pray that whatever the truth is that it's exposed and that it may be dealt with properly um, and we can can do that as God's people and make appeal to the Lord and uh, when we can pray about those things. Apart from that, uh, we need to trust the Lord. I'm going to ask our, our men to be men. Uh, we need to think about uh, what kind of things, uh, should things go bad in our nation. Uh, I know that we've covered a lot of things about uh, taking care of, of uh, um, having uh, gardens and uh, sharing food. We may want to do those things in the future. Uh, we, we want you to know, men, that you're, uh, it's, it's appropriate for you to protect your families. And so we want to keep those things in mind as uh, this instability in our country uh, seems to be unfolding um, and not be caught on our heels in regard to some of these things. So uh, I don't want to say a, a lot more. I, I just want for our people, for you not to be fearful uh, because God doesn't ever... Um, you know, he never gives any slack for, for fear. Fear not. Why are you afraid? Uh, are you looking at the troubled waters or are you looking at the face of Jesus? Um, and as we go through some, some serious times that we've never been through in this, this nation, uh, we, we need to have our eyes upon the Lord Jesus. Uh, we need to have faith in our God and trust that he knows exactly what he's doing, that he's working things according to his plan and purpose, and we're going to be believers. We're going to exercise faith in God. Okay? So uh, that's all. Let's get to the passage here. Uh, this is the final uh, summarized things that we need to know. Remember that, that we've had a series of things to know that we were told in verse uh, 11, that we're to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. This is part of sanctification. And then finally, that third concept, you know, know there are things that we know. There's that the things that we reckon upon. This means that we trust in them, that we exercise belief. Uh, and then there's presenting our bodies. There's this, this voluntary uh, action of, of our volition that we take to believe God's word to present ourselves to God. And, and so the word or the term there is to present yourself and your members to the master of righteousness, to our Lord Jesus Christ. We're to present ourselves to him. Um, and servitude is the key to liberation. Isn't that cool? That's a cool, cool phrase. Servitude is the key to your liberation. Servitude to Christ to your God and Creator, uh, frees you to righteousness, to, to the duty that you have and, and to the accountability that you have as a created being to your Creator, as a uh, fallen, formerly fallen being to your Redeemer. Servitude is the key to your liberation. Now here's uh, some final things to know. Our Master determines the nature of our work. If you're trusting in Christ, 
And remember that it's not by the law of works. It's not by the Old Testament law or the law of works or any human achievement. It is by the law of faith. And the law of faith is in that access that we've been given to, as is spoken of in Romans chapter 5, into that grace wherein we stand, wherein we were justified before God by faith in the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. He took away our sin. He died in our place and took away the penalty of the sin that you deserve. And so if you're feeling guilty for your past sins this morning, let it be banished from your heart and your life because Christ, if you put your trust in Him and His work on the cross of Calvary, For you, he banished that. It's gone. He has taken it away. And you don't have to go back to to 1980 or 1976 or 19-whatever when you committed these horrible sins and that you have this that stands and weighs upon your heart in regard to your relationship with God. For our Master has been given to us and, and he has taken away our sin, and he is, in these verses, he's removing our sin. And so the scripture says, therefore, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Present yourself to God. Make that decision. God, I'm yours. Not partially yours, but in all that I'm able, 100% totally yours. Because that's what he demands. That's what he asks of us. I'm given to you. Now, you're saying, well, I've done that, but I have these different areas that I I keep hanging on to. And and this is good because it teaches us the concept that that we're looking at and that we've looked at in these chapters that in that, that, uh, area that you can't do and you can't accomplish what God calls you to do and to accomplish, His grace is going to do it. And it's found by what the Scripture says, that we're to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling, for it's God that works in you both to will and to do. So God, I want to present myself to you wholly, but I realize that I can't. That there's, in my fleshly nature, it's not ever going to want to yield or present itself to you. But your grace, through the power of Jesus Christ, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. God's power is sufficient. He's granted unto you everything that pertains to life and to godliness, and it's in that servitude that we find the key to liberation. And you can know the liberation of presenting yourself to God simply by an act of your will to believe that God is able to do what he said he would do. You have access into that grace by faith in Jesus Christ. And the Lord God is able to do what you through human achievement, cannot do. That's by grace through faith. Justification by grace through faith. Sanctification by grace through faith. It's glorious, folks. It's not your power. It's not for you. It's not in you to be able to do, but it is in our Lord Jesus. And faith in Him is sufficient. 
It is enough. It is powerful. It is indomitable. He will do what the Lord Jesus can do in your life. And so there's no reason for God's children to walk in sin and to be a slave to sin. For who you present your bodies to, who you present your members to, uh, that master will rule. And it should be the Lord Jesus Christ. But it begins with the will, with your, your decision in your heart. Lord, you're my will. You're my God. You're the one that is in charge and has, has taken the, the seat upon the throne of my heart and life that I may walk before you. And so we find in this verse, again, verse 20, or when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. When you're slaves to sin, you're free in regard to righteousness. So we're urged to present our bodies to the Lord. Our works declare to whom we present ourselves, right? If sin is, is ruling your life, then you know who your master is. Your master is that sin. And ultimately... Uh, the father of sin, the father of rebellion against God, uh, the devil himself has ensnared your, your life uh, through uh, the flesh. Our works declare uh, to whom we uh, 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 present ourselves. So the scripture says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now the scripture says that we have access into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice or we boast in hope of the glory of God. The glory of God is that deliverance. It's that liberation to righteousness, to do what we were created to do, to, to fulfill what God desired to do when he created the human race to fulfill the, the Lord God's will to the glory of God, that it may shine forth, that men may see those works and glorify our Heavenly Father. Give glory to God. Give glory to God by presenting your members to Him. Slaves under the control, under the mastery of the Lordship of our, our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let your light shine. Uh, if there's anything that we need today, it's for believers to, to live consistently and to walk in light of God's truth and to shine forth and to boast in the glory of God. We should boast about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us. And it's, it's, it's not hard to, to, to share the gospel if we're boasting in God. If we think of it in terms of I'm giving God the glory and I just can't help it. I can't help but speak about how great he is. And we're, we're praising God and, and, and giving honor to God. And we boast in the glory of God. So, uh, and then we're liberated from prideful and selfish sin to Christ-like selfish, selflessness and righteous liberty. Uh, the scripture says that our old man was freed uh, free from righteousness. That means that our, our new man, our new person under Christ is free to righteousness. Our old man was free from righteousness, but we're not under 
the, the old man's uh, mastery at this point. We're under the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture catalogs three general kinds of spiritual fruit. There's spiritual attitudes that characterizes the spirit-led uh, spirit believer. So what, what is uh, the spiritual attitude that the believer has? Well, it's defined as the fruit of the spirit. Uh, the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are the things that should characterize our attitude. Your attitude toward your brothers and sisters of love toward one another. Genuine concern for them because that's who Christ is. It's the, it's the inner change and transformation that the gospel makes in our life that is, is significant. And Christ said, and, and his whole work was, was dedicated for the inner transformation that needs to take place in our lives. We needed to be born again. We needed a new spirit. We needed a new attitude. We needed a new heart, a new life, because mankind is corrupted. And we see this in our country today. There's, there's uh, sin and there's lawlessness and there's, uh, there's murder and, and death and rape and pillaging and, and, uh, and corruption and greed and all of these things flow from the human heart. Yet the spirit that God has given to us in the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ is love and joy and peace. It's so different. It's righteousness. It's the glory of our Lord and Savior that we need so desperately today. Uh, there's a, another catalog, spiritual attitudes, but also righteous actions. I'm just giving you three points here about uh, spiritual uh, fruit, what it means to be fruitful as Christians, what it means to fulfill that calling that God has given to us. And righteous actions are found all in Scripture, but, but it's be maybe best summarized that, that we do justly and love mercy. That's what Christ did. He did good things. He did just things. And He was merciful. And He showed His mercy, mercy by doing good things. So righteous actions are pleasing to God. And uh, it's, it's what uh, in, is involved in deeds of righteousness, things that we do that are pleasing and that fall in line with God's justice and God's mercy and His kindness. And then a third spiritual fruit that's, that's revealed in our lives is, is uh, new converts, that, that others come to faith in Christ. It's fruit to God's glory, fruit that God bears through us because God has to save people through you. And Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. So if we're going to be the branches of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's his spirit, his life, his truth that must flow through the words that we speak and the power of the gospel to, the, to those who are lost and spiritually dead and cannot hear spiritual things. And the Holy Spirit has to do that work of bringing conviction in their heart. You can't do that. It's not your work. It's the work of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ in His people to bring about conversion. Uh, it's just such a, a tragic thing that so many evangelists talk about. Uh, I had so many salvations this week. You know, no kidding. I mean, how, do, how did you uh, 
come to, to saving people. God saves people through us. But we don't save anybody. It's the Lord Jesus. It's the Spirit. It's the power of God unto salvation. Not uh, men are, are not, it's not dependent upon us. And yet uh, God has, has chosen to use us uh, and to call us into that service that he might do it through us as his people. So uh, sin here and righteousness are, are both contrasting things. They're opposites. Sin is your master or, 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 and sin is the product, it's the fruit, or righteousness is the fruit because the Lord is the master. And the standard that we're, we're shooting for is God's holy character. You say, well, that's a pretty big standard, and I can't do that, you know. Uh, and yes, that's exactly right. That's the whole point. That's the point of salvation by grace through faith is that God does it through us, but he asks us to trust him to do what we cannot do. And God will, will uh, increasingly uh, grow you spiritually, conform you into the image of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the wonderful thing that God has done in Christ, and we need to, to feast upon it and draw from it. Look at verse 21. Therefore, what benefit? Or, and this word is the word for fruit. What fruit were you then deriving from the things which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. Okay, so we're finding another contrast here in 21 and 22. And the, 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 uh, verse 22, But now having been freed from sin and a slave to God, you derive your benefit or your fruit, again, that's the word for fruit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. So we have this contrast, but we look here first in verse 21, and this is basically a summary of what's, what's been stated and what he's taught in Romans chapter 6. So we're getting here to the end of, of this major thought about sanctification, and he's saying, the benefit of serving sin as master <coughs> is that <coughs> is uh, that uh, that sin master is shame. So the fruit of serving sin as master is shame. It always brings shame. Shame before God. Shame before your Creator. Shame before the one uh, that made you in His image. Uh, so the fruit of Serving sin of the sin master is shame. And the, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I mowed grass yesterday, so I was afraid this would happen. <clears throat> my, my lawnmower was broke, so it, I w was backed up with it. Uh, <clears throat> the end result of our serving sin master is death. So shame and death, that's the fruit. That's the fruit of it. Uh, sin always leads there. Now that's significant because if we go back to this, this question, uh, shall we continue in sin because we're not under the law? It answers the question. No. No, we, we, don't, we don't sin because we're under, not, no longer under the law. Why? Because sin always results in shame and death. doesn't matter. Believer, unbeliever. It's always sin means death. It means death. It's all bad. And 
you can't cheat it. You can't, you, you can't commit sin and it not have bad consequences. Okay? It's, the scripture's full of it. You know, a sin gets committed, a, adultery and murder by David. Well, what happens? It, there's, there's no way to recover it. There were consequences that fell upon David. Didn't change who David was before God. Uh, and, and the fact that he was a man after God's own heart and he was called by God and given a covenant by God, loved by God, saved by God. But the, the end of David's sin was death. And all you have to do is read Second Samuel, past chapter uh, 11, and there's nothing but death and, and destruction in his family, trouble in his nation, trouble on every side because it couldn't be recovered. You know, there's sin results in death. It's always the fruit of death. So don't sin. You know, cling to the Lord Jesus and ask him for, for that grace uh, and, and walk in light of the truth and, and, and have concern. I don't want to say fear because we should not fear because we should be trusting in our Lord to do in and through us what only our Lord can do. And know that he will deliver us. He is able to deliver you. He's able to, to walk you through these things and to give you victory over areas of sin in your life. And this, this is so important for, for those that the church is just rampant with, uh, with the sin of pornography, uh, with, uh, with idolatry and, and pursuit of wealth uh, or riches or... or uh, fame or, or whatever, all of these things uh, are, are things that our flesh, uh, that, that we as Christians struggle with. But Christ is victorious over these things and they're not to have mastery over our lives. And they will not have mastery if Christ is seated on the throne of your heart. But he must be seated there and it means that there needs to be a decision in each one of our hearts in regard to Christ is going to reign here. Fear is not going to reign. Doubt is not going to reign. Christ is going to reign. And he's going to be the master of these things. And this appeal it's, uh, it addresses directly what we're dealing with today. Okay? Is fear going to reign in your heart because of the things that are going on in this nation? Okay? We can doubt and we can fear and and we can, or we can, we can by faith trust that God is, is God he, and how great he is. See, the more we know the greatness of our Lord and God, the less we're going to be sitting around worrying and be fearful about what's going, what may happen next year or next month or next week uh, because there are bad things happening out there, but is God in control and how great is he and can we trust him? Yes, we can. So... We need faith. We need to grow in faith. And we need to encourage one another in faith. Because God doesn't, uh, he, he doesn't excuse our fearfulness. He doesn't want you afraid. Don't be afraid. Choose not to be afraid. Say, God, I trust in you. I'm, gonna, I'm going to be a Joshua and a Caleb and not the ten spies. I'm going to... I'm going to be a, a man of God like I've seen in Scripture that puts their trust in you and faith in you. 
because the end result of fear, because fear is sin and lack of obedience and disobedience to God and unbelief is going to lead to shame and death. It's just no good. It's something that we don't want. Courage. Men and women of God, we need courage. We need boldness in Jesus Christ. So Jesus answered and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. This, word, this principle is so true. Don't become enslaved to sin. Pray and seek God's salvation because it's been given to you. He's granted it to you. He's given to you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Great and precious promises are in his word that you might be free from these things. So, And then we find that uh, in verse 22, the benefit of serving God as master is uh, that uh, we are freed from sin. We are freed from sin. So uh, servitude to God brings liberation to the, to the person of God. Uh, so if the Son... Uh, shall make you free or shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Do you believe his word? Are you free? Do you know that freedom? There's a, there's a standard of glory. There's glory in Christ Jesus. Uh, there's glory in what he's called you to. It's the glory of God and we can boast in it because, uh, because it's his word to us. The Son has set you free and you shall be free indeed. Um, and then uh, the benefit of serving God as master is that we're enslaved to God. We're enslaved to God. Look at the verse again. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God. Do you, do you take that, that yoke uh, joyfully? Uh, do, you, do you take the Jesus said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, do you believe him? Uh, do you know him in such a way that you can can present yourself, that you can yield to him and yield to his word and say, oh, oh, the world is saying this. They're saying to go this way. They're trying to conform me to their standards, but God's word is true. And I need to know what God's word says. I need to know the truth because he loves me. And he has the best for me. And the truth is what is best. It's, he is the way and the truth and the life. The benefit of serving God as master is that we're enslaved to God. Do you, you love and take joy that he's not only your master, but he's your father. And he's your provider. He's uh, Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides for us. Uh, the one who heals us. Who healed us from our, our sin and brokenness and has given to us life eternal, and that that is all in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the results of serving God then uh, are, are twofold here uh, in the end of this verse. Notice that it says, the results, uh, you are enslaved to God, you derive your benefit or your fruit of that enslavement to God then is uh, results in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. So the immediate result is, is this word or this term sanctification. Um, and <clears throat> sanctification is a, a glorious principle of truth. The word sanctify in, in the Greek means to set apart. So you might think of these, 
uh, I always think of these uh, temple vessels that they're, they were set apart. They could not be used for anything except service in the temple in God's house. And so as we're sanctified, we're set apart for his service. He sets us apart to do his will. And, and, uh, and then the, the word sanctification refers to the setting apart process. This process that he's working in our lives to set us apart uh, in his service and for his glory. Um, so sanctification is a, is a huge and significant word. In the book of Romans, we studied and we learned about justification by grace through faith. Then in chapter 5, we came to, to the reconciliation. This wonderful principle of reconciliation that we have is, is a, a glorious thing. Uh, therefore, um, uh, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God and access into grace now. We've been reconciled, and in that reconciliation, we have, have, uh, uh, we're freed from God's ju- uh, just wrath over us. We're freed in reconciliation to have a relationship with our Lord and God now. Uh, and so the immediate results of sanctification then, so we move from justification to reconciliation, in chapter 6, sanctification, uh, set apart for God's service and, and set apart progressively as he's working within you. And remember in chapter 5 we learned that those trials come and we rejoice in tribulation because tribulation what? It works perseverance. Perseverance works tested character. Tested character works hope. And hope does not make a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given unto us. So that's progressive, uh, and, the, and the idea of reconciliation, progressive sanctification, and God doing a work, and it comes often through the tribulation where he tears down those things in our flesh that stand in opposition to him, and he sanctifies us and gives us liberty and freedom in righteousness. And it's sometimes hard, isn't it? Don't you find it hard? Don't you find the trials, the things that you just you just don't you just want relief? You know, we don't want to go through these things in our country. We just want for it to be over so we can can be comfortable again. But God sometimes calls us beyond that. He calls us into into the troubled waters uh, there that we might grow in faith and grow in our trust in Him and grow in knowledge of God, and grow in the freedom of righteousness that he has planned for us. Sometimes he moves us by leaps and bounds by the trials that we suffer, right? Because the process in sanctification is death to self that life might be given to God. It is being buried with Christ that we may uh, walk in newness of life. And that's always the process. We always have to die to ourself in order that the life of God is manifested in us. That's the principle in Scripture. And it's something that we need to think about and meditate upon and learn because that's the way God's going to do it in your life. It's the way He's going to give you liberty. And you have to see it as liberty because it's painful. Right? Uh, so sanctification is, is not, it's not a piece of cake. It's it's uh, it's the it's the big raw stuff. I mean, this is this is the big deal. Uh, 
And, and we need to see it as worth it. Worth it to be liberated. Worth it to be free. So, and then the results of serving God is that the end of it is eternal life. And here's the cool thing that, that we need to understand. That, you know, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which he before ordained for you to walk in them. So God's plan is, is not for, for simply eternal life in eternity, but his plan is that in these deeds where God is doing these works in you that he created you for, he is doing things that are eternal, that are the very expression of eternal life. And I don't know if you've thought about your Christian life in that way, but your service to God is significant. Your faith in God, your walk with God, and what you offer up to God is significant because some of those things, when the flesh is finally out of the way and God is working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure and he's working these things out and he's doing these things in your life, it's eternal. Because there's a lot of things that we do in life that's not eternal. It's just going to pass away. And it's kind of like our, our lives. We're like a flower in the field and the wind passes over and it's gone and the place thereof shall know it no more. But there's life eternal in the things that God does through us. And all things are from Him and, and, and through Him and to Him. To Him belongs all the glory. And God will do these things and eternal life will be expressed in, your, in our lives through the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 6.12 says that we are to fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. Take hold of eternal life that Christ has given to us. To which you were called and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Do you understand the gravity of your confession? Do you understand the good fight of faith? Do you understand enduring the hardships uh, to lay hold of that eternal life that Christ has called you to and the glory of it? Oh, that we might boast in the glory of God and fight the good fight of faith with courage as God's people. Uh, final principle here, the fruit of two masters leads to uh, one to the other. So let's look at verse 23. It's a big verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is a summary. And notice that uh, when, you, when you think of this verse, you can't help but think of, of Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, uh, and, and this, this principle has, has carried through uh, these chapters of the book of Romans, uh, that the wages of sin is death. Going back to chapter 1, uh, that expression of those many things. Uh, but the gift, of, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Contrast. The wages of sin is death. The consequences of sin is death. The fruit of that sin is shame and death. But the gift of God is is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we may know it now. We may know it in the present. Okay, so uh, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. The fruit of two masters leads to one or the other. One is death. 
Okay? The master sin was imputed from Adam 1 to all. Remember uh, Romans chapter 5. Uh, and it says that, um, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and, and death through sin, and death spread to all men, uh, uh, and it says, upon whom all sin. I believe that that means that sin was imputed to your account. Uh, upon upon whom all sinned. Uh, so uh, that that sin was imputed to us from Adam's transgression. Uh, we just were born that way. We woke up that way, and yet uh, God uh, did not leave us uh, without hope over the master of sin. But sin was imputed to all in Adam 1, and the consequences of obeying the uh, master of sin is death. And it separates us from our Lord and God. So, um, uh, or eternal life. So the fruit of two masters leads to one or the other, either death or eternal life. Uh, eternal life is found in Christ Jesus. And uh, it takes us back to, uh, I wanted to review Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. And it says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. So the wrath of God is, is uh, overall sin, uh, but God delivers us. He saves us from the wrath of God through Jesus Christ. And we have that hope of reconciliation and that hope of, of uh, just as we've been justified, that under the reconciliation that we will not face uh, the judgment of the wrath of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. God, our master, imputed grace from Adam too. That's the point. The, the Messiah, the anointed one, came, and we were granted grace through Jesus Christ. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have that access into his grace. And then finally, the outcome of God's grace is the fruit unto holiness, and the end is eternal life. The end is eternal life. I love the way that the Apostle Paul speaks of, of our journey in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. So we, our, outer, our bodies experience the, the effects of, of aging and death and sin that was brought into the world. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Where are your eyes? What are you looking at? What do we see when trouble comes? What do we see uh, when anxiety begins to set in? Do we look upon the face of Jesus or are we looking at the troubled circumstances? The outcome of God's grace is the fruit unto holiness. Bear fruit is God's people unto holiness. The end of that is eternal life and glory to God. The Lord God said, I will honor those who honor me. He will honor you uh, if we uh, serve and, and, uh, and represent him. I had one final quote for you that that I thought was really good. Beloved, you are still hearkening unto the cries of your old master sin. 
Do you realize that in Christ, empowered by His Spirit and grace, you no longer have to give in to those old urges to commit sin? This truth will take a lifetime to perfect, and only in glory is it made perfect. And that is what is involved in the daily walk of holiness. Seeking His will, not my own will, submitting to His Spirit, relying on His enablement to accomplish the supernatural task. And as we do this, guess who gets the glory? To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for the salvation that is in Jesus Christ and all that it means to us as your children this morning. We pray, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus and for his glory, that name that you've sworn to exalt above every name, that name upon which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to your glory. We pray that he would be Lord and master of our hearts and lives, that you would direct our steps in accordance with his truth and that we might lay hold of the law of faith And by his grace through faith, walk in a manner pleasing to you. May Christ be glorified. May he be given honor and glory in and through our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.